Good evening. Is it chilly enough out there for you? Warm up with me here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show. I'm a registered nurse, clinician, nursing expert witness, blogger on my own blog, at my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. I also blog for the Huffington Post, so you can go ahead and read my back-to-basic, back-to-the-bedroom information for all of you. Keep in mind, I am going to be discussing SEX, so listener discretion is advised. Put the kitties to bed unless they're 35 and you have not launched them yet. How about that Halloween, huh? Yes, well, I put my candy in a giant bowl and then dug down and feel that is analogous to the paleo diet. How about you? That's my justification anyway for eating 40 pounds of Snickers, Twizzlers, M&Ms, chocolate and peanut, Twix. The list goes on and on and on. Anyway, I love Halloween because I love kids, actually. I just love kids. I wanted to. When I was a kid, I wanted to grow up to be a kid. (laughs) There's no better time in your life than when you're a kid. And I love the costumes. And they're so polite. They come up to the door. They're totally shy. They're all dressed up. Batman and Robin and... Um, Superman and the princesses and they put their little hands into my giant bowl they take one little teeny bar and I'm like hey Batman Princess Leia come back here and they come back they're all scared I'm like how about 30 more pieces (laughs) start laughing anyway um, I had to restock my candy about 10 times prior to never buy candy before Halloween Anyway, speaking of costumes, Edward Scissorhands got a hold of my hair. And, uh, you know, when your hair looks bad, you just feel awful. (laughs) What that has to do with anything, I'm not really sure. But, you know, sexuality is who we present to the world. And the better we feel about ourselves, the better we look, the more confident we are. And as I say, confidence is sexy every single day. We have a great show tonight because I have fantastic guests. And one of them is a matchmaker. And so I'm very excited to have a matchmaker on the show. I myself did a little matchmaking this week. I was, this summer, I'm a swimmer. And this summer, a group of us swam in the mornings and sometimes in the afternoons. And so there was a new guy who joined the group. And he was swimming out there one afternoon. And he told me that he's divorced. And as we're swimming, we're chatting. (laughs) So I said, oh, I could probably fix you up with somebody. And he was kind of shy and didn't really want to. And and so then, um, but he said he'd think about it. And I said, okay, that's great. And then I saw him on another day. And, and, I, and he said, you know, he was interested in, in perhaps uh, being fixed up. He might be open to that. And I said, okay, that's great. I said, um, you know, I think the two of you would get along quite well. She's an outdoors type of person. She likes to kayak. She loves the water. You're a marine engineer. You know, it seems it would be really nice. You're both nice people. And then I said, my friend Jane is coming down to the beach um, and we're going to swim. You're welcome to join us. And and so we all swam out and Jane starts talking about her family and her children. And I'm not sure if she mentioned the husband or not. But uh, so as we got back to the beach, he said, um, you know, she was really nice. Uh, yeah, sure. Fix me up with her. And I said, oh, that wasn't her. <laughs> it's somebody else. And he said, I was kind of confused. She was talking about her kids. And I wasn't sure if she was married or not. I said, yes, she is married. So 
Anyway, then he got a little shy on me and I think nervous and he didn't want to. And then after last week's show, he heard last week's show where I was talking about fixing people up or people dating or different things you can do to meet people. And uh, he texted me after the show and he didn't admit to me that he was listening to the show, but I can't imagine that he just, that all of a sudden it just popped out of nowhere. And he said that he'd been thinking about it and he would really like to get fixed up with the person that I had spoken about. So I said, sure, no problem. And I Facebook messaged her and within 10 minutes they were connected and they actually went out together on Tuesday. They went out for coffee and they and they both messaged me and said that they'd had a great time. So, you know, it's uh, it do that for your friends. And uh, it, it felt so great anyway. So to that end, it has inspired uh, a little matchmaking on the show tonight. So I'm going to be talking to a matchmaker, also a women's dating coach. Lisa Copeland will be joining me in the second half of the program. Also going to be talking about, so after you've met somebody and you're, now you, then you marry them, then you have children, or not, whatever, but then you have children with them, and then you get divorced, because that seems to be the natural progression for about 50% of people. So I want to talk about the biggest predictor of adjustment to, for children to their parents' divorce. So talking about why it's really important, especially given the holidays that that are coming up, why it's really important that you be respectful and divorce well. Prior to that divorce, you may have found out that he had a mistress. That's never fun. Uh, but you can feel terribly betrayed and it'll be awful feeling. And it, you may do some uncharacteristic things like want to contact the mistress. I'm going to give you eight reasons why you should not contract his, not contract, not, hopefully he didn't contract anything, why you should not contact his mistress. And here's the thing. This is so common, especially for women. They want to blame the other woman and they let the guy get away with it. And the guy's just going to do it again and again and again. So because you want to blame somebody else. And, and of course, it destabilizes your life and your marriage and, and your dream and your idea of what you had going on. So you really want to focus on the repair of your relationship, which is what I do talk about as well quite often on this show, this little sex show. Also, I want to mention to you that I do have some sex toys to give out tonight as well. Um, my... Speaking of princesses, my little princess vibrator. Well, it's not mine, but anyway. Um, anyhow, it's really pretty. So I do have that to give out for somebody, or if somebody else wants to call, I have the Mahana Duo Vibe as well. And that provides double vibrations, multiple uses, and endless enjoyment. Isn't that what life should be about? Prior to that, so the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, the lines are open. You can call me about any sex question or relationship question or health question or life question or anything, as long as it's not about me. <laughs> anyway, I also have, to go along with uh, those vibrators, I have, from the creators of Tyros Biopharma, I have Gynotroph, which is a natural vaginal moisturizer approved by Health Canada for the condition of vaginal atrophy. It is hormone-free, it's fragrance-free, it has vitamin E in it, and hyaluronic acid, which repairs tissues. It's approved for the condition vaginal atrophy, which is decreased estrogen receptors in the urogenital tract during perimenopause, menopause, and after menopause. To that end, 
mama might have menopause. Have you noticed the woman in your life having hot flashes, or you yourself, are you experiencing hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, vaginal health issues, leaking urine, painful sex, decreased libido, low sex drive? How about estrogen? Have you been prescribed estrogen, whether it be in a gel form, a tablet form, or into your vagina, and you're afraid to take it? All of these questions are going to be answered for you at one of my threesome events, which is called Hot Flash in the City. There's going to be cocktails, a health information, a movie called Hot Flash Havoc, and questions and answers from uh, specialty physicians who are women's health specialists. Cardiologist is going to be present, Dr. John Weisler, who comes here. So you can ask him all the questions you want. We are going to be talking about blood flow as well, and that's why men are welcome to this event too. You might meet somebody there as well. I'm going to give out prizes, of course. My best prizes I'm going to be giving out, giving out at Hot Flash in the City. The dates are November 17th in West Vancouver at the K Meek Theater. Coquitlam is on November 18th at the Evergreen Cultural Center. And on November 19th, Linda Steele uh, here from CKNW is going to be joining me as well, along with Dr. Anjali Malhotra. In the, at Vancouver's event, which is at the Scotia Theater. The event goes from 6 to 9.30 p.m. It's the ultimate ladies' night out. Bring your man, if you like, or uh, just come along if you want to learn about a little bit more about women. So give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'll give you some free tickets to that event. You tell me how many friends you want to bring, and I'll give you that many tickets. Anyway, so... When I come back, we're going to be talking with a professional matchmaker. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show is what you're listening to tonight, and I have Virginia on the line. Hello, Virginia. Hello, Virginia. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Excellent. So do you have a question for me? Um, yeah. I wanted to know um, if you know anything about high blood pressure medication and about it causing um, low sex, low, I don't know what the word is, but low des- sexual desire in women. Is it for certain that it's the medication that is causing the low sexual desires or any other reason? Is this you or are you, ta- or are you just me. acting in general? It's me. And um, so since you've started the medication, are you noticing that you have lower yeah. sexual desire? Yeah. Nothing to do with perimenopause or menopause? Oh, no. I've been in menopause for like a year or more. Okay. Uh, and so, And that means you have not had a period for yeah. a year? Like maybe two years, three. Okay, so you're postmenopausal. Yeah. Uh, the thing about high blood pressure medication, it, the link between high blood pressure medication and sexual problems in men has been proven. But uh, some women do report having decreased sexual satisfaction, but it's not proven that high blood that the high blood pressure is to blame. But it, the, from the medication, it could be the side effect of fatigue. Are you feeling less energetic or, or yeah. fatigue with lower because your blood pressure is lower? Yeah. So that's probably somewhat related to your feeling of low sexual desire. Okay. It might be the side effect of the fatigue. Um, so could I just take some vitamins or something to fix it? No. <laughs> uh, no, vitamins won't actually do anything for you or for or anyone in my belief. But anyway, maybe vitamin D might. Um, 
No, I would actually go back and I would have a conversation with your doctor about this particular side effect that you're taking. I'd also make sure that the medication is working for you. Make sure that your blood pressure is not too low, that it's not working too well. And sometimes the, uh, you might be able to change the, blood pre- uh, change the medication as well, or your doctor might be able to change the medication. Okay. Okay? But okay. it's definitely worth a conversation with your doctor. Okay. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You. You're welcome. Good luck to you. Bye. Bye now. Okay, so great question. Um, back to, see, everything is related to sex. I'm trying to convince a lot of people of that. <laughs> but it is true. There's so much that's related to it. And also matchmaking. You're not going to have sex if you are not comfortable having it with, your sex or you're tar- or with yourself or you're tired of having it with yourself. So say you want to meet somebody. What about a matchmaker? It seems like an old-fashioned idea, but it's something that is gaining uh, new popularity these days, and Nancy Dean is here to talk to me all about matchmaking. Thanks for coming to the studio, Nancy. Pleasure's all mine, Maureen. Thank oh. you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. All right, so matchmaking. You heard my little matchmaking story. I nearly messed it up because I do everything so quickly. <laughs> so tell me, what's kind of the best way to matchmake or to find that that lid for this particular pot? Yeah, no, absolutely. I have to laugh because when I'm talking to women about what they're looking for in a guy, they usually will whip out their checklist. And that's going to be a very challenging tool if you are looking to find love. So if you want to matchmake for yourself, you're going to have to figure out what matters to you in a relationship and start with that and then look for somebody. And what are the what are some of the things that are that ought to be, I don't like to use the word should because I think it's dysfunctional, but what are some of the things that ought to be important in a relationship as opposed to how much money he makes, how tall he is, what kind of a car he drives, what kind of family he's from, what's his socioeconomic status? That's the list, right? That's the list. <laughs> right there. There's plenty more where mm-hmm. that came from. You have to determine what matters in a relationship. And for most people, it's about respect, understanding, having somebody who loves you and supports you and listens to you. If you can find a guy that that wants to do all those things for you, then if he's attractive and if he's tall, dark, and handsome, he has Kurt Russell's good looks, his wallet, and six-figure income, nice place, those things are all a bonus. He's mine if he has all that. Uh, <laughs> no. Call into the show if you're, if you're listening. Exactly. If that is you. <laughs> Make sure you have a few witnesses, though, that actually <laughs> confirm this. No. Um, so how about values? Like, Is that more important, kind of the values that somebody grows up with? You want to have somebody who is of a similar ilk uh, to you or somebody who believes the same type of values that you have? Yeah, I think lifestyle is a big one for a lot of people. Um, it's about making sure that you can relate to common ground. And if it doesn't, if you come from a higher socioeconomic family, you might not necessarily need that. That might not be important for you. But if you if you grew up without somebody uh, in your life, and and you now have found somebody who can sort of fulfill that role as well, uh, that's that might be something you might want to look for. Now, how about the, what I talk about quite a bit is the neurochemistry of love and lust. Like, throw all of these lists aside, and it's just a matter of you see somebody, they strike you, you're attracted to them. I, I, we have this false notion that there's one lid for every pot. Yeah. I actually think there's many lids for one pot. And you could end up with, you could have ended up with one 
of many people. And and that's one of the problems with some of the marriages or the relationships is like you you think 65 years with this person and then maybe along the way, you know, the proverbial seven-year itch, you meet somebody else perhaps at work or you see somebody on LinkedIn or yeah. or you meet someone at a party and your heart goes aflutter, pitter-patter. Exactly. I think it comes down to chemistry at the end of the day. If you have that with somebody and you can keep it going and you nurture the love and respect for somebody, you can you can certainly have a long-lasting relationship based on that. And how about looking at looking for somebody and you ask them, well, I think a couple of questions that are pretty important are these. Did you grow up with parents who were alcoholics? I think that's a really important question because there are certain behaviors of adult children of alcoholics that will make a relationship very difficult. They guess at what normal behavior is. They are uh, tend to be non-trusting. They... Um, will have false loyalty even when the loyalty is not deserved. So there are a number of behaviors from growing up in an alcoholic family. But so what are some of the techniques or some of the strategies somebody has to deal with problems? Because let's face it, every single marriage, every relationship is going to hit some roadblocks or speed bumps, and you have to know how to deal with the problem. Exactly. Recognizing the, the struggles that you might have going into a relationship, that's extremely important because I think we're all creatures of denial to some respect. And if we can identify what matters to us foundationally, then that'll set a good tone for, for a partnership. So being able to work through those things and being candid with your partner later on in time and saying, these are, these are the things that I'm going to have to work through and have good communication and, and work through it like that. And how about divorced people? So people or, you know, people have been in a relationship and on, but in particular divorced people, especially the ones who rebound and get into a relationship fairly quickly. They may have a child. They may be looking for a mother for the child. Uh, certain things may be convenient. They may have been with somebody who wasn't working and didn't have a career. And then, oh, this looks attractive because I didn't have that for the last one. Oh, this one has a career, but, you know, she's a total bag or whatever. Um, so, but, but I think it's more important and correct me if I'm wrong, that that divorced person actually look at the challenges that they had and, and why was it that their marriage wasn't successful? What was it about themselves so that they don't repeat that in the next relationship and they, uh, perhaps go for somebody who they're attracted to. Sometimes we're attracted to people and they're not the right people either. Yeah. So complex. It's very (laughs) complex. Divorcees, they're all going to have their own separate situations, so it would be challenging to, say, group them all into one type of person, but they might have different experiences after their divorce. But if they do want to do it all over again, then that just goes to show that they had a relationship, it was successful at that time, and they want to move forward with somebody and do the marriage thing all over again. And but what if they don't take a, don't bother to look at do an inventory of what went wrong and how they don't want to do that repeat that same type of behavior in the next say they were cheaters in the first marriage and then the next wife thinks oh he cheated with his first wife because she was to blame basically yeah. and then he comes along and he lo and behold seven years cheating um, what uh, so you know she's 
it's a cheater, basically. We could look at it that way, that he's just a cheater. Um, and he's going to be that even in the third marriage if the if the woman doesn't put up with it. Often women do put up with it. Many women do put up with it because of financial dependence on a man or because of perfection of they want their marriage and their lives and their home and everything to look perfect to the yeah. outside world right. when we know how that is an impossibility. Uh, it doesn't happen for anybody. But do you suggest people take a breather after a divorce before meeting somebody else? People do need to take a breather after divorce, and we're all very intelligent beings. We are doing some self-reflecting, because this is going to be a hard time for you in your life, no matter what. So you will take a step back, and you'll think about it, and men might want to to, they might want to have a little bit of fun afterwards. Who knows? You think? Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you have an event coming up. Yes. Uh, for the ladies, actually. And so tell me a little bit about that event. It's going to be a fantastic event. It's next Thursday, November 5th at, at Creekside Community Center from 730 to 930. So if you like what you heard, uh, give me a shout. Um, you can... Call me or email me or look me up on LinkedIn. It's Nancy Dean. And we're going to be talking about dating advice, styling, and love astrology. And what's your email address? So, so if you want people to email you, don't give your phone number out on the air. We'll do. <laughs> Please. We'll do uh, nancy at divinematchmaking.com. That's nancy at divinematchmaking.com. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you, Nancy Dean, so much. Great advice on matchmaking. When I come back, we're going to talk about dating over 50. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath, hosting this show for you. Oh, by the way, this is Movember. It's November 1st. So uh, for all you lumber sexuals out there who have been sporting your mustaches and beards all year long anyway, it's just convenient. Keep it on there. All right. So what happens if you have met the man of your dreams or the woman and then you find yourself alone, alone again after age 50. Are you ready to find love again after 50 with an amazing quality man? Because if you are, that's fantastic because Lisa Copeland, the dating coach who makes finding love after 50 fun and easy, joins me and she is on the line right now. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Maureen. How, How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining me. I know it's really late where you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, daylight savings time going away. It is a little later, but it's great. Oh, uh, well, fine. all in the name of love. <laughs> That's right. Anything for love. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so let you are all about finding a quality man after the age of 50, but hang on for just one second because I do have a caller on the line. One sec, Lisa. Sure. Hello, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Are you there? Oh, hello. I have hello. Barbara on the line from Langley. Hi, Barbara. Oh, hi there. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, good. I just had a question. I was just sort of listening to the previous caller, and uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman, was in town last week, and he talks about his, you know, the five languages of love. And yes. you know, I've, ta I've taken the test with my partner, and we, we're sort of a little bit different. Um, you know, there's certain things he likes me to do for him because he's more of a service person. And of course, I'm affirmations and physical. So I was just wondering in this whole sort of chat that we're having tonight, and as I listen, 
What do you think of that? I mean, is it sort of the new kind of uh, sort of trend that's going on with women and men right now? Or does that really even play a factor in relationships anymore? You mean the compatibility of of two people that maybe their languages of love are very different if you don't know how to cater to that person um, in that way. Like in my example, you know, my partner is more on the service side. So he likes it when I take out the garbage and make dinner all the time and just do more service-oriented things. Me personally, I don't love that, but it makes him happy, so I do it. So hence, I'm sort of servicing those needs and then, you know, happy life, happy wife, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's see. Where do I begin? All I can say is if anyone's going to help me take out the trash, I love them. <laughs> that is but just I'm off af- my I'm limits. A- I'm affirm- I'm affirmations, though. I really don't care right. if he takes out the garbage and does all these things because I want to be told, wow, you look fabulous. Egg. Oh, you're going to, you know, so I, I need to fill. I, I love that part of it. If, if that part of my cup is full and I'm sure that he, he likes that as well. So we took the test and it was very interesting. So I, I just would like your sort of feedback and expertise on what you think about the five languages of love. Well, Maureen. I think it's one way to look at love. Um, I, the other, um, the other languages are receiving gifts, quality time, yeah. and physical yeah. touch. And so I think these are some of the things that are very important to people in relationships. And so you may fall in love with somebody, be chemi- chemically attracted to them, uh, just adore them, but they, and you might love to be touched, and they're just not somebody who likes that public display of affection or it doesn't, isn't touchy-feely, so that may impact the relationship. I think all of these things can negatively or positively impact a relationship, and I think know thyself is really the best way. And so if you, anyone knows anything about themselves and that's a deal-breaker for them or something that's important to them, I think it's something that needs to be discussed. And I think the real love language is that language between the two people or the three people or four, whom, however many are in, in the relationship. So that's kind of my, um, my quick take on it. I do have an expert on the line, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that with Lisa Copeland. Thank you so much for your call. And you do win a vibrator if you want to win it. Oh, and plus okay. the, the gynotroph, just in case you have uh, any, any need I, some I help. Those, I don't have those issues. <laughs> in case you have some dryness in the desert down there. No, okay. <laughs> All right, thanks for your call. Okay, okay back Bye-bye. to you, Lisa. Lisa, you're still with me. How are you? I am. I'm good. Oh, good. So you heard that question, I hope. I heard part of it. Okay. I'm a little disconnected. So I heard that her husband takes the trash out. Oh, okay. The languages of love. She was talking about the five languages of love. Dr. Gary Chapman. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. but I am. Um, okay. Yeah, so philosophy. what do you think of, of that? Um, I think the languages of love are great. I think it's true. I think the hardest part about it is getting people to follow your language. And, and in many ways, I feel we get so set in how someone has to show us love. One of the things I heard your caller say was um, he takes out the garbage, but I really want him to tell me how amazing I look. And one of the things I'd love to say to her to really – understand is he is his way is action men's way is action to show us love problem solvers mm-hmm. they don't want to listen necessarily language yes so there has to be some give and take that would be my biggest thing but i do feel if you can get someone to go along with you with the languages of love that you probably are going to be 
it, it would be good, but I, I, it's hard. Okay, so uh, you focus on dating over 50. So a 50-year-old woman might be experiencing menopause, perimenopause, uh, all those symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, leaking urine, insomnia, mood, you know, moodiness, heart palpitations, the wrong kind. Uh, they may gain a little bit of weight because a lot of people think that, you know, they, they get a little bit lazy as they get a little older, but they blame it on estrogen. Um, and so they eat a bit more, maybe out of stress or not feeling so great. They don't exercise as much. They're fatigued. Uh, they're feeling badly maybe over l- losing their lover or, you know, no longer having the life that they once had. So how can a woman like that meet a quality man <laughs> after the age of 50? <laughs> Quality men have some issues, too. No kidding, huh? It's not just women. Men can become more dysfunctional, too, based on medicines they're taking, um, the aging process itself. Erections they're not having. Yes, very true. And a lot of men have erectile dysfunction, and they don't get the help. But go ahead. They do. They really do. I think a lot of men don't know what to do, and it's a very embarrassing thing. And for women... It can be a lot of women feel that this is a deal breaker, but one of the things they don't realize is men can be lovers in many ways, and it doesn't just take sexual intercourse to be a good lover. In fact, there's a lot of men that can do it fully and are not good lovers. They don't care what the woman wants or they're not interested in pleasing a woman. And no imagination. Yeah, and I always tell my clients, you want a man that's going to be into you and is going to want to make you happy and please you. That is the most important thing. And men are in, really women need to be very gentle with men with this. It's a huge ego buster. With when they have erectile dysfunction, do you mean? Yes, it's very embarrassing for them. It's very, you know, it, so much. I of, realize it is, but let's focus on the guys who can actually get it up. <laughs> Yeah, well, they should be really good lovers then. They they should be okay. No. <laughs> They're not all. No, <laughs> they no. they don't all have that problem. But but you're saying that's one of the issues for men and for dating after the age of fifty. I think it is for both sexes. For both, it's, it's very difficult, and it's also difficult for women taking their clothes off again with a different body. Well, it's difficult for women all through life to take their clothes off. You know, a lot, I, a lot of my patients will tell me they've never taken their shirt off during sex. They, wow. One woman didn't take her pants off. I don't know how that happened. But, you know, wow. they do keep their clothes on because a lot of women have body image issues. Yes. And they may only worsen later. Yes, very, very much so. And uh, the biggest thing that when I work with clients also is helping them remember to get in touch with their present body and to really come to recognize what is amazing about their bodies. So I'll tell women, tell me 15 things that you love about your body. And it's very hard. This is the biggest struggle. And then I'll say, okay, then if you can't say you love it, tell me how grateful you are for it. Because our bodies are amazing. And we, we as women, because we compare ourselves to the media, sadly, which is not real, it's very much photoshopped and um we as women though have a very hard time loving our bodies as they've aged and changed because we look back at how we looked when we were in our 20s but men don't know you from your 20s they only know where you are today and coming into an appreciation of what how you can use your body is is really important especially in the sexual arena too so that you 
it's a it's a gratitude for ha- still having an amazing body that does amazing things every day. May not be perfect. Exactly. So accepting yourself basically is kind of job one. Accepting who you are and and believing uh, that you having hope and putting having having a positive attitude. How how is that in terms of meeting somebody over the age of fifty? Are we talking just sex? Or are we talking general dating? Relate <laughs> dating relationship sex whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. show's about all of that. <laughs> For whatever um, somebody wants. I mean, somebody wants somebody else in their life quite often. Yes, they do. People get lonely. We're like this new generation, people over 50. Our parents' generation, our grandparents, they stuck it out, whether it was good or bad. And we're this generation that decided we're not living the rest of our lives unhappy. We're going to go out there and we're going to get a new partner who will be better. And what happens is is we often attract the same type we just left, just in a different body, or we go out looking for, um, when we grew up, there was the Sears and Montgomery Ward catalogs. It's like people are going into these. They think that an online dating site is like a catalog, and they can put their order in, and the woman or the man will come out. Perfect. And because of the fear of failing again, Everyone is looking for someone perfect. So the way to have hope is I always advise clients, if this is a time to go out and have fun. You don't have to marry after 50. You can have a companion, a lover, a friend. I think it's very important to have friends of the opposite sex at this age because it feels good to be around the opposite sex. And you go on a date, you meet someone new and interesting, And you get to know them. And don't make quick judgments of people. This is a huge thing, too. But the hope is is change from going on a date to mate to to going on a date to just have fun and get to know something interesting. Attraction, especially for women, they may not be attracted to a man at first, but that can build as they get to know a man. He can be kind of not so cute on the first date and like George Clooney on the fourth date to them. Once they got to know them, and and he could be adorable. Now, that's optimism if I've ever heard it. Now, you've written a a great book called The Winning Dating Formula for Women Over 50. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. On Amazon. It's on Amazon. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And you also said that you um, would donate one to the cause here in Vancouver. I would love to. Oh, that would be great. So if someone wants to email me, first emailer, sextalk at cknw.com. If you want to win that book, The Winning Dating Formula for Women Over 50 by Lisa Copeland, uh, that's all yours. Well, Lisa, it's been great having you on and fantastic tips for uh, accepting yourself and finding someone to to love or live with after the age of 50. So thank you so much. You have coaching programs as well? I definitely do. I have all kinds of coaching programs. The best thing to do is to get my free report, Five Little Known Secrets for Finding a Quality Man. And you can find that on my website at findaqualityman.com. And once you get the free report, we'll send you blogs and all kinds of really good tips for dating. And then if, if you like those and you want to take it further, we do have programs for you that can really help you get out there and truly find love again after 50. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lisa. We'll definitely have to have you back. Thanks, Maureen. All right. You're welcome. So give uh, me, uh, pop me an email, the winning dating formula for women over 50. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. 
Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can call me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. So, with all the holidays, well, we just started with Halloween, and now we're coming up to Christmas, and these are difficult times for children of divorced parents. And I think it's really important that divorced parents need to get along for the sake of the kids. The biggest predictor of adjustment for children to their parents' divorce is the degree of conflict between the parents. How many times have you heard this, how parents do not get along, how they remain stuck in long and vicious legal proceedings, unnecessary, even they may not even have the money to go through this, and they're just fighting and fighting. This makes children incredibly stressed and very hurt. So getting along with your ex is so important because the children are the ones who get hurt when the divorced parents do or duel, when they're fighting. So recently I heard of a situation where a father had some medical issues and the, then he was uh, started drinking as well. So he... His drinking was impacting the relationship. They had a young child. The parents got divorced. Well, then the father, after about a year uh, after the divorce, he went to AA and he got sober. And for five years, he was sober. And he didn't have any idea that once he was sober, he actually ended up only having one-hour visitation rights with his son. So once a week, he would go to a visitation center. The mother would drop the child off. The father would go to that center. They would meet in a 10-by-10 room, and that was the extent of their relationship. This went on for five years, four of which the man was sober. I said to him, you should get everything back after you become sober. You should get your job back, your child back, or visitation with your child back. You should get it all back. The What was so disheartening for me to hear was this, the mother of the child never had, never taught her son to send his father a birthday card, a Christmas card, an Easter card, nothing. Never phoned him on his birthday on Christmas. She just wanted to pretend he wasn't alive. He wasn't around, except for that one hour during the week. So this man, with the support of his family, went to court because they had no idea and ended up uh, saying, you know, telling the judge he was sober, he wanted to be in his son's life, and he's now back in his son's life. And I just think children always love both parents. There's no reason to fight about this. You will teach your children well and that's what we need to do you need to model good behavior you need to teach your children that yes you're going to have conflict in a relationship the best thing to do is actually to work that out because you're just going to get married to somebody else and have the same problems i hate to tell you that but you're going to have the same financial problems unless you change things or the same drinking issues or cheating issues or whatever's going on in your marriage you're going to have the same if you don't take a look at yourself and repair that. It's great and so simple to blame the other person. But the most important thing, I think, in a divorce for certain is to get along for the sake of the children. And if the children can remain in one home, I also think that's great as well. I knew of another child 
he was flipping back and forth every Sunday night. He would be dropped off between one from one house to the next, and he said, I cannot wait to graduate from high school, so I do not have to go from one parent's house to the other every other Sunday night. And out of the mouths of babes, he was wishing his life away in high school, and how sad is that? Life is to be enjoyed. Who wants to wish their lives away? And you certainly don't want to do that when you're a child because those are the best years of your life, basically. Okay, so you may have come to the divorce because he may have cheated on you and you decided that you didn't, instead of looking at your problems and see in the marriage and see why he cheated on you, you might actually decide to blame the mistress. And so you may act uncharacteristically for your own normal behavior and you may get obsessed and you may decide to contact the mistress. This can never be a good idea. You are going to be so much more successful in your marriage if you take a look at your own marriage and see what's going on. I understand when you're cheated on, the devastation of betrayal can just be horrible, heart-wrenching, awful. You may become obsessed. Obsessive behaviors may take over. But why would you ever want to call the mistress? If you think you might be able to get more information from the affair partner, you're right. But it might not be what you want to hear. To hear, And that affair partner may lie to you. It's interesting how often a hurting mate believes the affair partner will tell them the truth and sorrowfully see the error of their ways. It's not uncommon for the affair partner to lie. Talking to the affair partner is like comparing apples and oranges, and you want to find out the motive. That's the most difficult piece to discern about an affair is the motive. And there's a compulsion to discover why this happened. But don't be mistaken and think that the answer lies with the affair partner. The answer lies within you. The affair partner has created an illusion of what your mate's reason for cheating is. It may not even be real. Vengeance never works. You're sending out those negative and that negative energy out into the universe. It's not going to work. Karma is vicious. Let me tell you. You don't want to gratify their hostility, so you don't want to act in ways that do not become you and make the other person feel that you are, I hate to use the word, but crazy, and you may have been described as such if you act like somebody who's lost their mind in front of them, so they may just think, well, see, there you go, and you perpetuate that false perception. And trying to get them to get it is futile. They're never going to get it. They like having sex with your husband or they like or your wife or whomever, and they like being in that affair. And it, this will just perpetuate the problem. If you just ignore it, it will go away and you deal with your own problems. And so I would say curiosity drives that desire for contact. You might want to, you might be thinking, what does that other person have that I don't have? Well, probably some things and that's okay, but nobody's perfect. And people, mostly when people have affairs, they affair down. In other words, they rarely have an affair and science supports this with somebody better than the person that they are with. Lots of circumstances for affairs. Anyway, my suggestion is look at the, at your own self, look at the problems within your relationship and move on from there and make your relationship healthier and better for your children and yourselves so that you don't have to hurt your children. When I come back, we're going to wrap this program up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You heard me. Love the one you're with. I'm Maureen McGrath. Thanks for being me, being here with me tonight. It's always my pleasure uh, to be here with you, educating you about a little discussed subject, sex, sexuality, sexual health, relationships, intimacy. And uh, I think it's really important in life. And we, we need to talk about it. We need to discuss it. And 
we need to open it up and not have it associated with so much of a taboo sense uh, because it's important. It's important for our lives. So many times in my clinical practice, I'm I'm speaking privately one-on-one with people and they have so much shame about these issues and they, and they really needn't have that shame. I, privacy is one thing. Shame is something entirely different. And so if we put these issues and these concerns out there and understand that any one of us may experience any one of these concerns. Um, it might be the world might be just a bit of a better place. I want to remind you about Hot Flash in the City. It is an evening of menopausal proportions. Don't forget, I will be giving out the most fabulous prizes ever. Um, you might be able to whir away on them. Um, so if you're experiencing perimenopausal symptoms, menopausal, hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, leaking urine, people think leaking urine is normal. It's never normal. Vaginal dryness, uh, feeling like the desert down there, uh, that you're, it's leading to painful sex. You know, these are all issues that are important. So do come out, uh, eventbrite.ca slash hot flash. Go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.